thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Well, good morning, Radiant. Good to see you. Welcome home. No, I'm coming back. Sorry, we've been running around having a good time. Uh, This morning, we're really going to work on honoring the presence of the Holy Spirit, Christ in us. I was thinking about that, and, and I just feel like I want to say to you, I really honor you. Sorry. You, you come every week, and by coming, you make it possible that all who come remember the Lord better, believe Him better, love Him more, are changed and different and help their families and Families help the neighborhoods and help the community. It really is a big deal that, that you come and I honor you. I really mean that. Thank you. It's a big deal. Sorry. This happens when you get past 40. So. <laughs> or COVID, something. I don't know what it is. Um, this morning, Pastor David asked me to, on Pentecost Sunday, to talk about listening twice. <clears throat> and... And I'm not going to go back to Pentecost, but every one of you who have actually repented, changed your mind about who is God in your life, Jesus is Lord, you had the most stunning, amazing thing happen. Christ came to dwell in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. I say it's not the guarantee of glory because it's a partnership, it's a marriage, and there's things that we need to do, and it's all tied to honoring the presence of the living God in us, our personal Pentecost that happens at new birth, but then and in a thousand different ways, and we got denominations talking about all ways of dealing with it, but this morning, I am zealous for us to honor the Holy Spirit. It's easy to preach about. It's another thing to live it. So would you, in honor of the scripture, be willing to stand with me? I know you've been standing a while. I want to read from 1 John chapter 2. um, Verse 3. It's a little tough. Hang with me. We know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. Now, if I wasn't reading the scripture and I just said that, you'd think I was a legalist. I didn't understand grace, but it, it is written. I just spent an hour Tuesday night in Sacramento preaching about this text. Um, we know that we've come to know him. If we keep his commands, if we had time, it would make sense. It's doable and it's right and it save your life. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. Hard words. But... If anyone, if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Here's how we know. And this is going to sound hard, but hold steady with me today. 
This is how we know we're in him. Whoever claims to live in Christ must walk as Jesus did. Whoever claims to live in Christ must walk as Jesus did. So, pretty intense statement. Let's read it together, all right? Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. True or false? What does it mean? We're going to wrestle with it. Jesus, thank you for your presence. We honor your presence. You've saved our lives. You're saving them. You will save them. Thank you that you will help us for Christ's sake. Amen. You may be seated. So I start this morning talking a little bit about my story. There are two moments that are germane to today's message. God did an amazing miracle in me for me. Uh, he healed my lungs that were dead, that could not uh, function as lungs are supposed to function, and couldn't, they were so dead, they were so brittle, that they could not even heal themselves. And that's a long story. But the doctor is standing in front of me on the 23rd day of being in the hospital, and he's looking at me, and he says, Hal, you, you've, he called me Mr. Perkins, I think. I don't remember what he called me. Some funny. I don't, but he, whatever he called me, he said, you've got to make a decision. And, and I strongly discourage you not get on the ventilator. I won't take time to tell you all the reasons for that. He said, we have comfort care. You'll just simply, we'll just give you some medication. We'll take you off the 70 liters of oxygen and you'll be gone. But you've got to make a decision. See, I've been putting them off probably because people were praying for me. Probably and instantly many of you did. And thank you again. Thank you. Probably because people were talking to me. You're never sure all the things that go into making a decision. But I kept begging them to give me another day. Give me another day. Give me another day. And I was now on day 23. So I said, give me another day. So he did. The next morning, came back in, same speech. My response, can we have another day to just see if maybe, just maybe, God might intervene. At the end of that day, after 10 o'clock p.m., I don't know what time, sometime before 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning, sometime in the night, I'm wrestling because the doctor's coming back in expecting me to give him my decision about how I would like to die. And I'm wrestling, and, and, and it sounds a lot like Paul. Well, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Have you heard that before? Huh, I was living it. And for me, I had thought about it enough, to die was gain. 
I understood being loved. I understood Jesus dying on the cross for me. I understood it was not by my righteousness. I understood that I was fully and freely in Christ because of what he did for me. I also understood that for over 60 years, I had been seriously doing everything I knew. I was very zealous all those years to live my life in entire response to Jesus for him. I, I knew that. I knew that. I, I knew that there were treasures laid up in heaven. I, I just knew it. And, and I heard, well done, good and faithful servant. And it sounded really good. I, I'd, heard, I'd watched people die long, slow, agonizing deaths. I'd already gone through 23 days. And, and, and it just looked really good to say, okay, comfort care. And I was wrestling with that. And later I came to think maybe, just maybe, the wrestle was a little bit demonically involved. I can't prove it either way. Because I was about to come to the conclusion, take my life. Give me comfort care. It's in the middle of the night. I'm thinking about it, wrestling with it. I'm thinking, Debbie, Debbie's a trooper. She, she'll land on her feet. She, she'll, she'll do well. Kids, grandkids, they'll be fine. What we do, run around the country, uh, and it really sounded good. Just say, okay, good enough, well done. I could hear it, well done. But then something else happened, and I believe, I believe it was the Holy Spirit. Christ in me who speaks all the time, I'll prove that to you someday if I get a chance, who just talks because he is the light, Christ in you, the light of the world. And, and I believe the light finally got through the darkness because all of a sudden I thought, I'm not ready to die. Had nothing to do with being justified by faith. Had nothing to do with a life lived for God. But I knew I wasn't ready because the Lord had called me for decades he called me to live a certain way, and I realized I wasn't there yet. I realized that as much as I'd signed up to deny myself, take up the cross, and follow Jesus, I realized that I was still leading so much of the time, and it wasn't new to me. I'd just forgotten about it, that my propensity, my habits, though I was committed to Jesus, intended to follow him, I I inadvertently so often ran ahead of him, I made him follow me instead of me following him. I did what I thought. I relied on my own understanding, and I hated it. I realized that my heart, my soul, was not yet where I wanted it to be. I, I kind of thought that I'd take my soul with me into heaven because here's the life of faith. Here's where we're tested. I don't know what heaven's going to be like. I got a few ideas. But, but, but I knew that I wanted to offer Jesus a more transformed soul that had actually learned to walk by faith, not by sight, actually learned to follow, not be the leader that informed. I, I had all kinds of information but I wanted my heart to be formed so that my natural, quick, immediate response was not what I think, but, oh, Jesus, what do you want? What's your will? 
Jesus, I want to follow you. And so in that struggle, I came to a decision that the next morning when the doctor came back, I'd say, I'm not ready. Can you give me another day? Well, the next morning, the doctor didn't come in because I was healed. If I had time, I'd tell you how ridiculous that is. It's one thing. Well, I just, I don't have time, so I won't get into it. (laughs) You're looking at Lazarus' lungs. I'll just say that. If you're looking at lungs that were dead, you can live if you can't see. Jesus healed the blind. Jesus healed the lame. And You can live if you can't walk, but if you can't breathe and your lungs don't work, you don't live. And I'm, a, I'm quite alive. I don't know if you noticed. You can clap for God. Come on, church. I'm, I'm serious. You, you can never say you've not seen God do an amazing miracle again because you're looking at one. So got home. Your pastor, my pastor, Debbie's and my son, David, came to see me in my room. And... Uh, I'd been pent up for 25 days. I don't know all I was thinking, but he came and he was sitting in a chair across from me and I started talking. You can't imagine this, but I started talking and talking. Pretty soon I got a little revved up. It's kind of like I thought I was still going to die and I better get unloaded all on him in a hurry, poor boy. And so I was giving it to him. And, and then he stood up. Tears coming down. And I just kept going. I didn't know why I stood up. I just, I wasn't finished yet. And there wasn't a clock on the wall. And so I was just giving it to him. And he stood up. And he got real close to me. Looked him in the eyes and he did one of these. One of the best moments of my life. Means, Dad, I got it. And I'll do it. We're together. And I'm not exactly sure when I, when I came up with the language. But when he did that, somewhere I got an idea. I think every good and perfect idea comes from the Lord. And so I, I got an idea. And, and I changed this to this. Can you all see it? This isn't a peace sign. This is two fingers put together. And it meant something to me. It meant everything to me. It meant what I was wrestling with in the middle of the night, that my soul is not ready. And the words I put to this were listen twice. And it became for me a a simple, clean, quick way of describing what I wanted to become that I was not yet, but God had called me to, and maybe it's through my story and everybody's different, but, but God had clearly and cleanly called me to this, and I hope to explain to you how that happened today, to this idea of listening twice, and I'm, I'm going to explain what I mean by that. It, what it means is, first of all, when I see you and I do this, this means it doesn't mean I love you. That would be one. This means we love you. 
There's two. Christ in me loves you. And when Christ gets through me, we love you. And we're covenanted to you. And, and, and it means, and I promise you, weak and fumbling and forgetful as I am, I promise you, I'm going to do my best to listen twice. Which means, because I honor you, I'm going to do my best to empty your well before I make you drink my water. Uh, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to listen to you because you matter. I'm not good at it. I'm going to get better. I've got time now. I'm going to listen to you. But I'm not going to push back. I'm not going to push back at you. I'm going to listen and not give you a piece of my mind. I'm going to listen twice because that's how Jesus lived. I'll show you in a moment. I'm going to listen and my determination is before I act or speak, I will listen because Christ dwells in me, the Holy Spirit, and he'll teach me and remind me and convict me. of. He, he knows what is to come. He'll tell me what is to come. He'll, he, he'll make me aware of whatever I need to do or to know because he dwells in me. It, it's, a, it's an amazing, stunning gift it's unbelievable almost. Jesus said that it'd be better for him to go away. And you all know this. It'd be better for him to go away because if he went away, he'd send his spirit to be in us. It's not Jesus next to us. It's Jesus in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so that's the reason I can say and mean with all I have that my intention, my determination, by God's grace, I'll get better. I've got a few years, maybe 20. David says 15 at least. Um, anything he can do. <laughs> Listen twice means I'm not going to push back toward you and what I do or what I say until I listen again. Until I listen to Jesus by the Spirit so that I give you the Word of God or the work of God, not Hal's flesh. That's what listen twice means for me. And Pastor David asked me to speak about it, listening twice. And, and let me say, it's a narrow way. Um, I got so far to go. And it's my conviction. I'm not trying to push it on to you. I'm just telling you my story. Is that Okay. It's, it's where I've been. It's, this has happened over decades. And it's easy to get the theory, but really hard to be a follower instead of being a leader. Everybody, everybody wants to become leaders. And I say, that's our problem. We're all leaders. We've got to learn to be followers. That's what we signed up for, right? To follow Jesus. He'll save us. I wish I could persuade. I wish I could make it clear how much better I, of a husband I'd have been, how much better of a father, how much better in every relationship if I could have not just been a hearer, but been a doer of this word. And I'm glad I've got more time to work on it. I was working on it hard as much as I knew to before. But in that moment, in that moment, I was so aware that I have so far to go. But I've got more time and I'm grateful. So let me, why am I called to listen twice? Why? Well, 1 John 2, 6, whoever claims to live in him 
must walk as Jesus walked. So I raised the question, how did Jesus walk? What was Christ like? <clears throat> I've preached about this enough, so I have some history when I'm talking about it. How did Jesus walk? I, I was doing it once, and there was someone who was under 30 in the audience, and they said, on his legs. And I said, thank you. That's helpful. Um, but someone else said, he walked on water. And they meant more than just he walked on water. They meant when Jesus was here, he was powerful. He did miracles. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He took loaves and fishes for one little boy and turned it into enough for a multitude, a multitude of people. He, he meant when Jesus was here, there was power in his life. And they're right. But let me say as quickly as I can, as strongly as I can, my perspective could be wrong. My perspective is that that was fruit. When you see Jesus doing fruit, I mean doing miracles, you're seeing the fruit of something deep underground. The root is underground. The fruit is above ground. When you're seeing miracles, when you're seeing Jesus doing what Jesus did, we tend to think of it in a lot of different ways. I think of it as the byproduct of something deeper that was underground. You couldn't see it, but it was happening. And if it hadn't have been happening, there'd been no fruit called miracles. Or the tribe I grew up in was very, very determined to live a holy life. Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in everything you do. So when Jesus was here, he was holy. And so to walk as Jesus walked, you might think, well, it means you got to walk in power or you got to be holy because that's how Jesus walked. But again, I want to say to the best of my knowledge, when you see Jesus doing holy, Example, doing holy. He's been, had thorns just jammed on his head. He's been stabbed in the side. Going through all he's going through on the cross. But he's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about his mother and John. Or he's thinking about the people who've just done all this. And he says, Father, forgive them. That's called holy. But when you see holy and you say, I could never do that. You're right. You can't. On your own. But if you abide in him and his words abide in you, you'll bear much fruit. When you see Jesus doing holy, that's fruit. It's because something was going on underground that you can't see. Do you know what's going on underground? Communion, relationship, conversation with his father by the presence and power of the Pentecostal Holy Spirit. Let me, let me demonstrate it. How did Jesus walk? Well, Jesus did nothing apart from his Father. He didn't do anything on his own. My Father's always with me. I, I, Jesus didn't do anything independently. Everything Jesus did was dependent. Jesus was the perfect follower who never led. Jesus was never independent or faithless. He was always faithful and dependent. 
as we were created to be. We were never created to survive without God. If you're new here and you're, you're wondering about God, you were not made to live without him. You were made for him, but you were made to be led by and empowered by him and life would work as he intended it. Let me, let me unpack it a bit. Jesus said, these, this is not 2,000 years of theologians writing about Jesus. This is Jesus' testimony. Jesus said, the son can do nothing by himself. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean he didn't have the ability to tie his shoes, or if he tied his shoes, I don't know, or put his hand in a bowl of rice. And, and that, that doesn't mean that. It means the son will not allow himself. The son won't do what Adam and Eve did. Adam and Eve were told not to eat of certain fruit of a tree, and they, but they ignored God. The essence of sin is not eating apples or failing to eat apples or whatever it was. That's, that's the fruit. That's the byproduct. The essence of sin is relational. The essence of sin is leaving God out as if he doesn't matter or doesn't even exist. That's the essence of sin. It's dishonoring God. Very essence, very core of it. And Jesus never did that. Jesus was always dependent on his father. The son can do nothing by himself. Jesus walked by faith in his father. Hear what he says. He can do only what he sees the father doing. Here's a building. We're in it. Before the building was built, someone saw it in their mind. The Holy Spirit dwelling in Jesus. If I had time, I'd show this to you. The Holy Spirit dwelling in Jesus gave Jesus a vision, a picture of what the Father wanted. And Jesus only did. His testimony is he only did what he saw the Father doing. So Jesus was always following. He was the greatest disciple that ever lived because he never led. He always followed his Father. He can do only what he sees the Father doing. Does this make sense? Is how Jesus lived. So, so to walk as Jesus walked does not mean that you got all the power independently or you got all the holiness independently, but it does mean that by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit indwelling us, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And to the degree that we're willing to abide, to the degree that, that we receive and are led by, this is very crystal clear. You receive the Holy Spirit, you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're led by the Spirit, and you're empowered by the Spirit. And we can walk as Jesus walked if we'll slow down enough to be led by the Spirit who dwells in us. And it, if you don't mind my saying, it's hard work because we like to run ahead. We lean on our own understanding. We don't mean to. It's not evil in and of itself other than it just makes the Holy Spirit follow us instead of us following him. We're made to be led. We're not made to lead. Let's try another one. Not only did Jesus say, I don't do anything apart from the Father. He said, I don't even say anything. Here's a very clear statement. Jesus said nothing apart from the Father. 
I do nothing on my own. Everybody read it with me. I do nothing on my own. I'm made for relationship. Without God, I'm incomplete. I'm inadequate. And God, by his spirit, not only came in Jesus and died for us, but he came by his spirit to dwell in us. And everyone who repents receives the Holy Spirit. We're not God, but he lives in us. That's Pentecost today. Everybody clear? It's amazing. It's easy to preach about the Holy Spirit. But you, if you're a Christ follower, if you put your faith in Jesus, you're not alone. The Holy Spirit dwells in you to guide you into all truth, to teach you. He talks, he talks, he reveals, he enlightens. Someone's got to believe. And someone's got to follow. Someone's got to be led, obey. And when we are sensitive and go slow enough to follow the Holy Spirit... To be led by him, what God leads, he empowers. Faithful is he who calls. Who will do it? We can do all things. Include be radiant. And a bunch of other things. Jesus said, I do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. Whoa. Speak just what the Father. Jesus said, and I just believe him. Do you think Jesus is probably a pretty good theologian? Do you think probably he was telling the truth? He said, I don't do anything apart from my father. I don't, I don't say anything apart from my father. My father and I are married. The two are one. We are one. But he's the leader. I'm the follower. And I always follow my father. Jesus said, I speak just what the father has taught me. Jesus could say, I look back. And I didn't say anything. doesn't matter if he gave it to him in the moment or early in the morning or two days earlier or whenever he gave it to him. Jesus looks back and says, everything I say, it's because I knew my father wanted me to say it. Everything I did, it's because I knew my father wanted me to do it. Everything. I don't know. I, everything? I don't know. What does everything mean? 20%? 60, you know? Speak just what the father has taught me. So... I'm not holding this to you for you. I'm telling you my story. I'm telling you my conviction. This is how I'm called to walk as Jesus walked. And I believe it's true. I just got to quit leading. Become a follower. Become a growing disciple. Jesus increasing me, decreasing. And I've got some time to work on it. 20 years. In spite of what your pastor says. Here's the, here's the, the narrowest one of all. Jesus didn't even make any judgments or that he's come to any conclusions on his own. Apart from his father. By myself, I can do nothing. True or false? By myself. Not that he didn't have the ability to run ahead. He was tempted in all ways. Far more than any of us have ever been tempted. But without sin. What's the sin? Running ahead as if the Father didn't matter or doesn't exist. By myself I can do nothing. I won't let myself. I won't let myself be independent. I'll always walk by faith in my Father. That's why we grow from faith to faith to faith. And from glory to glory to glory. As the faith increases, the glory increases. Jesus said, I judge only as I hear. 
So Jesus had lots of opportunities, be it with Peter or with Pilate or with Herod, lots of opportunities. A woman at the well, he had lots of opportunities to see what's going on and to make a judgment about it. He was tempted to come to conclusions, but he never did it on his own. He was always in such relationship with the Father. It's called abiding. Such relationship with his Father. <laughs> that no matter what he was tempted to think, he said, Father, what do you think? I've made so many judgments independent of God. And it's cost me and cost others. The, what I'm talking about saves, saves individuals. Because we're tempted to think lowly of ourselves instead of thinking what Jesus thinks about us. It saves families. It saves marriages. It saves parents and kids. Because we're tempted to think all sorts of things that are not a right or a righteous judgment. Because we don't know a man looks on the outward, but God knows everything. <laughs> it's so important for me to learn to not judge on my own. But I do know someone who is the right judge because he holds all truth simultaneously. He knows everything. And if people say, well, I don't hear God talk to me. I say, oh, yes, you do. You just haven't learned to recognize his voice. You hear him. Lost people hear him. He loves lost people. He talks to lost people. They wouldn't come to him if they didn't hear him. You hear him. And he's always helping. He loves us. And he wants to help. But we've got to learn to slow down, to honor the presence of the Holy Spirit. You come together here like this, we get to hear someone take off and talk. The body of Christ, we hear Jesus through the body. We have our Bibles, we can read them in the morning or at noon or at night, whenever. But all day long, you're still not alone. The Spirit is with you all day long. All day long, to guide you into all truth. Jesus said, I judge only as I hear. So, for me to live as Christ, to die seemed like it would have been gain, but I'm so glad that I get to keep working on our relationship. Listen twice. Let, let, me, let me just review it in this way. I don't expect you to do this. In fact, I don't want you to do it unless you're called. If God's called you to it, obey. But, but I really mean this. If I do this and you see it, that means we love you. We have covenant with to love you. It's not, it's not me. It's Jesus in me, and I want Jesus to get through me. So it's we. We love you. And you're valuable. And we want to honor you. And so we'll listen twice. We'll do our best to listen, to know you, to value you, to understand. But before we give you from our ideas, Jesus and I, we're going to have a conversation. It's really hard. And life happens and it's fast and it, this is, you know, it gets lost in the practice sometimes. But, but my intention 
He's to say, I'm not going to make you listen to me until I've listened to Jesus. I'm going to listen because I want to be led by the spirit, not walk by the flesh. Does that make sense? You all know I'm not good at it, but I got time. You know why? Because this is how Jesus lived. He watched and prayed. Get it? Watch and pray. Abide. My father and I won. I only do what my father gives me. That's how Jesus lived his life. Thinking about that, and, and, and I guess I could guard almost anything we do that's a physical manifestation of an inward reality, taking communion, dear friends of mine cross themselves, almost anything we do can just become a, an external thing, and, and that's a dangerous thing. My faith is not in this, but this is a reminder to me of my promise to God and to you. I'm not here. I'm here to represent Jesus, to be the body of Christ. And this is my covenant to God to not make you drink my words or, or watch my life that is flesh-governed. It's my covenant with God to let him live his life through me so that, that Christ in me, the Spirit of God in us, needs to get through us. Make sense? That there might be something else I would add. Um, Pastor Nathan mentioned we're starting small groups on, I think, the 11th of June. That's Sunday and after. Jesus really loves us. And, and this is good, but we need more than we can do all together like this. We need friendships. We need relationships because truth flows over relationships for better or for worse. Lies flow over relationships. We, influence happens in the context of relationships and we really need community. So we do our best to provide opportunities for you to have friendships with people that are sincerely, not perfectly, but sincerely seeking to know and follow Jesus. And we really need that. We really need that. And so when I'm talking in, in my own mind and as I try to coach and disciple people, I try to help them understand that if you're going to live this narrow way or if you're going to make progress in it, you're going to need to make progress in your time alone with Jesus, but you're also going to need to have some friends who are equally committed to the same kinds of things, being a person named Jesus who not only lived then, but he lives now in us. And so we want everybody to have community with 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 people who become really good friends who are helpful to you as you grow up in Jesus. And so we try to provide small groups. And, 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 and incidentally, there I saw some, thank you, Kayla and everybody else that helped her. I saw a bunch of red and white balloons out here. If you don't know what to do or how to get it, just run out there. You can, you can sign up there if you want to become a part of a small group if you're not already are. I wish and I'm praying for that, that we can 
I want to talk about families for a second, but let me first say this. Part of being discipled is it's just growing up in godliness. It's in relationship to Jesus. It's it's us decreasing as Jesus increases. It's it's us it's us who are born again as brats. Everybody say amen. Okay, it's us quit being selfish, self-centered, using God for our purposes, growing up to love him and love others. So, so I, I encourage us all, as we go to the small groups, we don't go just to have friends who help us, but we go out of love for Jesus. If you love me, care for and feed my lambs and sheep, remember? So we go not just to get help in our relationship with Jesus, and starting with relationships with people probably, but we go to give help. So can I say to all of you who are committed or who could commit to going to a small group, if you think you don't need one, we really do need each other. And we need someone who goes to these groups who's determined to care for and feed others, who's determined to love and listen to others and to value them. We need that kind of, all of us need to grow up in loving God and loving people. So this is a place where we practice growing up. Less of us, more of Jesus, more of others, right? Love God, love people. So, so that's another reason to go to a small group. If you're, and if you are going, try to think, I'm, I'm going. I'll get something from it, hopefully, maybe. But I'm really going for Jesus' sake, out of love for him, to care for his sheep, his lambs. Make sense? And, and I want to take just a moment to thank all of you We've got a great number of small groups going this fall. I mean, this summer. Great number. Last number I heard was almost 40. Way to go. Thank you all. And, And if you're even contemplating starting a small group or could start one, it's really pretty easy. It's pretty easy. It just means there's something you really like to do. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, study lamentations or, or, Pray or, or play basketball or feed the homeless. Doesn't matter. It's something maybe God's called you to do or you enjoy doing, but you invite people to do it with you. A time and a place and invite people. It's, it's not really that complicated. It, it, there's some things to be learned. If, if you have interest, talk to me or talk to someone who can get you to me because we, we just need to have a place for everyone. And thank you so much for helping provide that place. I, I, wanted, I did say about families. Joe's Candelaria and Joe and Amy are sitting right here in front of me. Good morning, guys. I can see you. I can't see anyone else. But they're working hard to help parents to have a small group that meets in the family called the family, the family meeting. And oh, parents, I, I can't tell you how important it is that you with wisdom and, and sensitivity and awareness of your kids' ages and stages, that you, that you be the pastor of your family and you, you call your family together. And you have, it, it, there's things to be learned, to be sure, and we work on it. But that's coming. And so parents, you're a big part of all this process. One more thing. I didn't plan on saying this. I'm going to say it. I leave five Zoom calls a week that are designed primarily to coach people to listen the, the, the first purpose is to slow down and listen to Jesus speak to us. If you have interest in that, that's what the Disciple by Jesus groups that you see advertised are all about. You're welcome. Anybody's welcome. Lord, um, 
we just really, we really need you. Everybody say amen. amen. We need you. Our propensity is to lead, and we need help to slow down and to live out this marriage covenant we made with you, that the two would be one, that we would, we would listen to and follow you. We, we signed up to follow because we trust you. If, if we trust you, we'll let you lead. Thank you that you'll help us. I believe you to help us. I'd like to ask us all to stand. It, there's a real probability that there's someone here this morning, maybe watching, maybe right here. You're kind of kicking the tires. You're just not sure about this Jesus thing. Can I tell you, he's really good. He'll save your life if you trust him. But that means you have to have relationship. It means you have to learn to listen. You have to learn to believe what he says. It's, it's called a fight for a reason. And you have to learn how to live out what you're committed to inwardly. And if... If you know enough about Jesus that this morning you could say, Jesus, I, I, I don't know much about you, but I think I can trust you. Anyone who would come and die for you, anyone who would leave what Jesus left and empty himself of everything and become like us in every way and be tempted in all ways and never sin, never ignore his father, and then for, go to a cross, not for his sin, but for ours. Anyone who would do all that, surely you can trust that being enough to get started. Maybe this morning it'd be a good morning where you could say something like this. And let me just say it. You don't need me to say it probably, but let me say it for you. Oh, Jesus, I don't know you very well. But I know enough that I think I want to start a relationship. You've done a ton of things for me, and you'll do continue to, but you've asked me to actually trust you, believe you, have faith in you. And so Jesus, as much as I know how, this morning, okay, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to repent of my own government, of my own being the Lord of my life. I'm going to, uh, okay, I'm going to trust you. I'm not sure what that means, but I'm going to trust you. and I'm going to start a relationship with you and I'll learn from your people and I'll learn from your word and you'll come dwell in me by your spirit. And, and I'm, I'm a baby. I'll just get started and I'll wet my pants and cry and squawk and cause, but I'm going to, I'm going to stay in there. I'll have a family to help me. Thank you, Lord for receiving me because I receive you as my God. Don't know what it means, but I'll learn. If you can pray something like that, I say, God sees your heart. He knows your limitations. There's nothing, he wants more than for you to be saved and he's the savior. He loves you so much and he'll help you all through life. He'll make your life abundant if you trust him. Amen? Did I tell the truth, church? Yeah, go ahead.
Jesus, thank you for helping each of us grow up in you, make progress. We need each other desperately. It's a narrow way, but it's a good way. I praise you for helping us. Thank you for helping me to listen twice. Amen. One more time. Can we put our hands together for Pastor Hal and for the Lord? Amen. Such a good word. Amen. So good. So good. I love the way that Pastor Hal just articulated that, that the beginning of your relationship with Jesus is a relationship. And this is just the beginning. So just like when you meet someone new for the very first time, it's you're taking steps every time you get together, every time you spend time with them, you're taking another step in that relationship. And today, hopefully today was that very first step in that relationship with Jesus for you. And if it was, I just want to point out one thing on your seats. There is a, I have decided card and we would love it if you could take a moment and fill this card out. So why, why, we, why do we want you to do that? Well, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you'll be saved. So just in the same way that you're beginning that relationship, we just want to be obedient to the Bible. and We want to have you take a step in acknowledging that you made that decision today. And if you could fill this card out, we'll send you resources this week. We've got Bibles for you down front. Our prayer team will be down here in just a moment as well. We would be honored to pray for you. And if I could, our ushers will go ahead and come forward. And if you do want to fill this card out and skip the QR code, you can fill this out real quickly and drop it in the offering buckets as they go by in just a moment. But ours are going to come forward. We're going to pray for our offering. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, God, that you are a speaking God, that you're speaking to us and we get to listen to you. We get to know your voice. You said your sheep know your voice. God, we get to know what your voice sounds like. God, we pray right now for all of the givers. Jesus, we pray that as people give, as they sacrifice to make a difference in your kingdom, Jesus, that you would bless them, that your hand would be upon them. God, that we would be able to impact and minister to people in Kansas City, the United States, and all around the world. God, that we would see people come to know you. We'd see people rescued, transformed, and empowered, and radiant in serving you. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name.